Now, if you brought your Bibles today, we're speaking from the book of Joshua. And uh, Joshua chapter 1, last week, we looked at how to face life and our future with confident faith. In chapter 1, God had to encourage Joshua because he was really discouraged. And the reason of that was he had to follow Moses. And for a whole generation, 40 years, and it says in the end of Deuteronomy, there's never been a greater prophet in all of life than Moses. He brought down in the name of the Lord 10 judgments against the 10 gods of Egypt, turning water into blood and all of that. You know the account. And then, how would you like to follow in his footsteps saying, you're it. Moses is dead. Now it's your turn. I think I would question God if you got the right guy. And that's how Joshua felt. He felt insecure. He felt unqualified. And yet, Moses laid hands upon him before he left and conferred unto him the leadership of Israel. But he needed encouragement. And all of us at times can feel unqualified and we can feel, you know, I, I don't know if I can do this. But he comes to encourage us. And three times he said, be strong and courageous. And then he gave the promise. I'll be with you as I was with Moses. Now, sometimes we read the word in chronological time because we live on planet Earth. But God lives in eternity. And he sees it, that it continues. And the same God of Moses and Joshua is our God. And he speaks to us as well. I will be with you. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll be with you even in the end of the age. I'll be with you. And so he encouraged Joshua. And then as I want to pick up the reading in chapter 1 at verse 10. Joshua being encouraged by God's presence, his support, he now takes up leadership. Verse 10 reads, So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you're going to cross the River Jordan here and go into the land and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you as your own. But to the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the commandment, that Moses, my servant, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God has given you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives and your children that, uh, and the, your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you. And it was the east of Jordan. Now, you need to understand, they're ready to go in. And on this side of Jordan River, it was just as fertile as it was on the side of Canaan. So these tribes went to Moses ahead of time and said, there's great pasture land here. We, we could remain here. And he said, all right, you can do that. But you have to go in 
and fight for the freedom and the possession of the land of Canaan with your brothers. And that's, that's what was happening here. And so we read on, and, and it says, Your wives and your children, your livestock, they may stay in this land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men, fully armed, they must cross over ahead of your brothers, and you are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest, as he's done for you, and until you, they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. And after that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, your servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan towards the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. And just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will fully obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. And whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them, we will put them to death. Only be strong and courageous. I want to talk this morning about taking possession of our tomorrow. And so there, are, uh, there was a three-day period where Joshua commanded the officers to get the people ready. And during that three days, three important things happened. And we need to look at that and see what that looks like. What does it involve? And how, what does that require of us? Because if we only see this as a historical event, which it is, there's principles of living and taking hold of tomorrow for us here in Arthur. So the first thing he said, uh, go, he said to the officers, go throughout the ranks. Now there's over two million people, you know. That's quite, quite a thing. Go into the ranks and tell the people, get ready. And here's the prophecy. Three days from now, we're going in and taking the land that the Lord has promised. Now, you have to realize that for 40 years, they, willed, they, they wandered in the wilderness. They were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And they weren't really strong. And in the land that they were going, there were seven enemy nations. And each one of them was much stronger than the Israelites. But Joshua said, nope, we're going in. God said he's going to give it to us, and we need to step out and do it. So the first thing he says to them is get ready. Now, I don't know about you if you've ever had to move from one house to another, or we've all been on a trip, Newfoundland, here we are. Anyway, but I mean, so what, what happens is it's amazing when you move, like even Pastor Dwight, when he moves from there to here, it's amazing how much stuff there is. And we have to get to the place where we have three categories and think, okay, this is a keeper. We got to keep, that's essential. This, yeah, throw it out. This, send it to the Bible League, you know, send it to the thrift store. You know, we don't need it anymore. 
And so I'm sure that was going on as people started getting ready. They were starting to pack their bags and they were getting things ready. No, we don't need that, you know. And they were getting things sorted out. That's what we need to do as well. In order for us to take hold of tomorrow, we all have baggage. And there's some baggage we need to get rid of. We need to lay aside our past failures, our past defeats, and put that under the blood, just as we did this morning. And we need to let go. If you've been offended, I don't know, God knows. What is it that the enemy uses to try to hold you back? Maybe it was a checkered past. But God is not intimidated by our less than stellar record. That's why he came. He came to forgive us. He came to redeem us. He came to call us. And he's calling us into a new future as a congregation. And, and he knows everyone here better than anyone else. And he knows our future better than we know our past. Remember that. He knows what he's getting when he gets you. You can't surprise him. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Amen? So, but it, the awesome thing is he's chosen us. He's called us. And he said, I'm going to use you. But you need to get ready. You need to evaluate in your own life. What areas in my life do I need to not only get rid of, but improve on? Tell me how you spend your time. Look at your, I used to be daytimer, but anyway, like, you know, look at your calendar and how you spend your time, where you spend your money, and how you use your talent, because we all have giftings. And I'll tell you what direction your, your life is heading. You need to do some honest evaluation between you and God individually and say, Lord, search my heart. How much time are you spending on Twitter or Facebook or whatever? And compare that, how much time are you spending in the Word? Because he told Joshua, meditate on this Word day and night. Let it not pass from your lips. Keep it. Renew the spirit of your mind with the Word of God. And begin to declare the Word of God. Speak what God speaks into your life. And then you'll have good success. So we need to evaluate where are we individually? What needs to be discarded? What needs to be improved upon? How can I best spend my life? We only have a day at a time. That's how life happens. A slice at a time. Every day is God's gift to us. How we spend it is our gift to Him. But remember, we must spend it. The most valuable commodity of life is time. How you spend it 
will determine where our life is going to be. So get ready. That's God's word for us today. Moving into a time of transition. Three days from now, we're going to cross over. I prophesy three weeks from now, you will have a new pastor. And you need to get ready. And he's been gracious. Instead of giving you three days, he's given you three weeks. So listen up. Evaluate your life. You can't go back and change the past. It's gone. Regardless of how much regret there is, how much disappointment there is, you've got to let it go. Don't let it hold you in defeat. And you need to lay hold of the future. And it's a day at a time. And your future is determined by your daily routine. Write that down. Because you need to recognize that. It's in just little segments. How will you invest your life this day? So, be in the word. Let God begin to speak into you. Get ready. Every one of us needs to get ready. The second thing that happened, then Joshua, he addressed the two and a half tribes, Reubenites, the Gidites, and half of Manasseh. And he, he, he went to them directly. He said, I know that you went and asked Moses if you could stay on the east side of Jordan, but he gave you this condition. You can do so on this condition. Let your wives, your children, your livestock remain on this side, but every young fighting man you have to stand up and lead the way in. He put them at the front. They broke rank. You know, there's the 12 tribes. And so the eldest, you know, you look at the 12 sons. So everybody had a tribe, and here they were. So the officers go around, Reuben, get your house in order. Get your families going. Over here, Nathalie, you know, and he went on. He went all through the, through the ranks, and they had to get ready. But on top of that, Joshua went to these two and a half tribes and he said, now every fighting man has to lead the way in. I want you at the front of the line. This is our formation. The Ark of the Covenant is going to go before us. Why? Because that's the presence of God. The Levites carried the Ark of the Covenant and God said, I will dwell among the cherubim. So they were leading the way. There was a half a mile or less between them and the lineage and, and, and the formation so that they would know God. God's bringing us into this year. God's bringing us into the future. God has a wonderful future for this church. And then the two and a half tribes, they were next so, so that it, it encouraged the rest of them, they're not staying behind. They're leading the way. They're going to fight alongside with us. And the book of Joshua is a book of conquest. They fought one battle after another, and we'll look some of that coming up. But just to say that things don't happen in one mighty sweep. They didn't just step in and 
it was done. The future will hold challenges for us. There'll be giants. There'll be walled cities. We have to be real, realistic. Not everything's going to be hunky-dory, you know, but we just have to realize we'll take one step at a time, one issue at a time, and we're going to make the most of it, and we're going to keep moving forward. We're not going to be intimidated. We're not going to be held back, but we're going to step out. So that's what he's saying here. Young people, this is a word for you. Their forefathers made a promise with Moses. Now this new generation had to stand up and pick up the mantle of the previous generation and lead the way. Your time is now, not five, ten years from now, but now. Your time is now. Pick up the mantle of this former generation and let no man despise your youth. You set the pace. Step up, pick up, and lead the way. The best days are yet ahead. And it's your time now. It's your time now. Be an example of the believer. Set the banner high. And I'll tell you what, it will inspire the rest. It will say, there's a future for us. We have young adults, young people that love God, and they're leading the way. Amen? I'll tell you, that's a word for you. Seniors, don't think you got it easy. You don't. I want you to know, this isn't a time to sit back. This isn't a time to say, well, you know, I've done my part. I'm just going to coast along. That's death. This isn't a time to sit back. You too have a responsible position of influence. You need to become encouragers. Well, I don't like how they sing all those songs, and I don't like them jamping around. We didn't do it in our day. We know how it works, you know. Listen, don't mock and criticize what God's doing. I'd sooner have my young people up here dancing their heart out, praise God, it's a new day, than have them out in the drug hall, you know? You need to encourage them. Don't you dare murmur, you know, that you spent 40 years in the wilderness doing that. Yeah, amen? You don't want to go back to the wilderness. Are you tired of wilderness living? Step into the book of Joshua and do what God says. Don't murmur. Listen, murmur, it doesn't even sound good, does it? You need to be an encourager. Well, they didn't do it our way, but they're doing it. They might do it different, but they're doing it. And you need to encourage them. Everybody does more by encouragement than criticism. So don't get a critical spirit. I know that's a different era. I know all the hymns. I know that. I don't want to go there. But anyway, you know. But I'll tell you what. you got to stay current. As seniors, you need to evaluate your current assignment. 
What can I currently be doing to make us move forward? Well, you can keep bringing your tithes and offerings. That's great. But you also need to be encouragers. Can you imagine? I wouldn't want to be raising kids today. I'm telling you, it's wicked. It's spiritual warfare. That's what they were up against. That's what we're up against. And it's not just being allowed. It's being promoted by the government, by everything. You need to come along and encourage young married couples, young adults, and say, I'm praying for you. Just this past week, we were at a funeral of a good friend of ours. And all the people from Georgetown, when we were there the first time, even though they were scattered everywhere, we all gathered for that funeral, Barry Domes. And we had opportunity to uh, meet with uh, John and Kathy Taylor. They were just newlywed when we were there. And I told them that we're in Arthur and that Pastor Dwight's coming. And she talked about how she had a kids club. It was just in her heart. And she said, you know, I had, I had 120 kids come. And she said, I, 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 I never had a problem getting volunteers. Everybody was willing to help. And those that couldn't, they said, do you need some money to get supplies? And they came along and they encouraged her. And she ran with it. I believe those days are immediately ahead again. What God's done in the past, he'll do again. And you need to run with that. You need to support it. And, and, and just pray for them. Encourage them. That's your part. So get ready. Step up. Don't sit back thinking I'm going to coast along. That's dead weight. I'll leave it at that. But we all need to be actively involved. We all have a part to play. And then lastly, and I'll talk about more of this next week, but we need to step out, move forward. The time is coming. We need to trust God. We need to step out and trust God. The third thing that happened, first, get ready. Tell the officers, get the people ready. Then those two and a half tribes, step up. You lead the way. And then it says in chapter 2, Joshua secretly sent out two spies. Let me read it to you. I've got it here somewhere. Chapter 2, verse 1. Joshua secretly sent out two spies from Acacia Wood and to go and look over the land. And he said, especially Jericho. So they went out and they entered into the house of a prostitute named Rahab. And they stayed there. So Rahab ran a little business, and she had a tavern, and all the guys would come down and have some beer, whatever. And, uh, of course, she did things on the side. 
So it was a popular place. So here's two spies that were sent out. And Joshua said, especially Jericho, check that out. I saw it 40 years, late, years ago. Let me know how it is. So the whole purpose was to count the cost and get the facts and come back. And what they found was amazing. They went in, and they just sort of sat in a little booth over there. And she realized, these guys are from outside the town. I know who they are. And when business closed up, she took them upstairs on the roof, and she had them get covered under the flax that she had there. And someone went to the king and said, listen, there's two spies in town. The Israelites are here. They're checking us out. You need to get down there. And they go down, and he goes in, and he says to Rahab, I know there's been two spies here. Where are they? I don't know. Uh, they, they left. And, uh, you know, and the gate was closed behind them. But, you know, if you, if you go now, and I'm sure they're heading that way, if you go now, you'll probably catch them. So they went out, and then the city gate was closed behind them, and the, the army in Jericho, they went out looking for the army, looking for these two spies. But the exciting thing is, while they were out, Rahab went onto the roof, and she talked to the two spies. I want you to listen to what she said. It's amazing. This is what she said. I know that the Lord has given you this land. A great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did with the two kings of Shion and Og, the Amorites east of the Jordan who you completely destroyed. And when we heard of it, listen now, our hearts melted. Everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is the God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show me kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, my mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you'll save us from death. And they responded, our lives are your lives, the men said. If you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully. And when the Lord gives us this land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house of, that she lived in was part of the city wall. And then she sent them on their way. Go hide yourself there for three days. Go up into the hills and then return and go on your way. And then the men said to her, This oath that you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied a scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have 
brought your father, mother, and brothers, and family into your house. If anyone goes outside of your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. She agreed. Let it be to me, as you say. So she sent them on their way, and they departed, and she tied a scarlet cord in the window. You know, there's been a scarlet cord from the book of Genesis, the shedding of blood for the remission of sins, all the way down through the ages to the book of Revelation. They went out to count the cost. They were sent out to evaluate what's taking place. And much to their surprise, they were so encouraged by the testimony of a prostitute, Rahab. We've heard what God has done among you. We heard how he dried up the Red Sea. We heard how you destroyed those two enemy kings and their nation because they resisted you. And we know God is going to give you this land. When we heard what God has been doing in your midst, our hearts have melted like wax. We're full of fear. There isn't a fighting man among us. Isn't that amazing? I know God's going to give you this land. So promise me when, when you come into this land, spare me and my family, my mother, father, their children. And they said, okay, as long as you leave that scarlet cord hanging down the wall. And she did. And they kept it. What I get out of that is, we need to step out in faith. Faith is believing before you receive it. It's obeying when it doesn't make sense. And it's trusting God. If he's declared it, it's going to happen. We are God's people by the merits of Jesus. We are called according to his purpose. And God has called a man of God to come and lead this congregation into your new tomorrow. Keep your eyes on the Lord because you've never been this way before. He's going to come in visitation. God has a great future planned for this church. You need to be praying for Pastor Dwight and family. You need to be encouraging him every time you see him. And when he's getting his shoes on and just kind of getting a handle on things, you need to say, that was a great message today. Because we do better as we're encouraged. And as we get to know each other and know his leadership, he has the hand of God on his life. The exciting thing is, excitement's already taken place if you haven't been downstairs, take the chairlift and, and check it out. It's all brand new paint, all freshened up, getting ready for a new pastor. Classrooms getting freshened up. Just like 
there were two spies that went out and they found a harlot. Do you know the amazing thing of that? Rahab enjoyed the benefits of their victory. Rahab became the mother of Boaz. She became the great-grandmother of the greatest king in Israel, David. She was included in the lineage of the Messiah, Jesus. Isn't that awesome? I declare to you, those 12 children that committed their life to Christ at VBS, there's 12 families out there that were willing to send their children, 32, but 12 of those committed their life to Christ. As they were giving the memory verse, they just wanted the chocolate bar. <laughs> but, but Sharon said, don't you realize what you're saying? Come and see. Look at the sign. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. We need to wake up, stand up, shout out, and really do our part. God is on the move, and we need to get in step with him. This isn't a time to sit back and wait and see. This is a time to step up and say, here I am. I'll do my part. Whatever giftings God has placed within you, stir them up. Fan into flame the giftings of God that he's put within you. And get ready. Get ready. Get involved. Set the pace. Pick up the mantle. Get involved. Be encouraging. And let's step out in faith and trust God. We're God's people. This is God's year. And he said, I'm going to build my church. Didn't worry about the political scene. Turn it off. Tune in and hear what God says. Keep in step with him. Meditate in his word. Let him speak a fresh word in your heart. And hold on to it and declare, this is what God's been stirring in me. I'll tell you, faith comes by hearing and the testimony of the Lord. When you hear how people get saved and how God encounters by his spirit, he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Think back when God reached down for you. Tell the stories of faith. We've had a great time through August just sharing faith. But the best is yet to be. And so God has a great future for this church. Three weeks. Get ready. Step up and trust God. Father, watch over this congregation. We pray again for Pastor Dwight and family. As you begin to stir within them, Lord, your spirit, your word. Lord, may we just come into harmony and unity. No generational gap. But Lord, that we will come together as one. How good it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. For there you command your blessing, life forevermore. I pray blessing and life upon this church 
and upon this community. If not us, then who? And if not now, then when? And if not here, where? But here we are. And now is the time. And we step up. And we step out in faith. Have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take that word. Evaluate your life. Cast out what's not necessary. And replace it with good values. The best is yet to be. Here's a hope you can, you can hang your, your, your hope on, a future you can hang your hope on. I have plans for you, says the Lord, not for evil, but for good, to give you a future and a hope. Let's take hold of tomorrow now. Amen? God bless you.